Hudson Taylor was a great missionary to China. And him and his wife were going through really, really difficult times. And he said to his wife at a very difficult time in their ministry, we have 25 cents and all of the promises of God. That is just a remarkable thing. He was not denying of what he what the situation was. Honey, I just want you to know we only have 25 cents, and we have all of the promises of God. What was he saying? We're going to make it. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to make it. Um, Ben Carson, he is uh, a retired neurosurgeon. He was the Secretary of Housing and Urban uh, for the United States. He said the biggest threat to the United States is not Russia, It's not China, it's not North Korea or Iran, it's those who are dividing the country from within. Division. I truly believe that. I believe division and fear are the two things that come against the church. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, it's sin. Sin does destroy people's lives. Sin is a destroyer. But that's not the greatest thing that's hurting, hindering, or stopping the church because Jesus shed his blood that all of our sins could be forgiven. We just need to acknowledge that. Amen? We need to acknowledge that. You know, I know that people, you know, they think that I should preach more about sin, more about obedience. But let me just say this. To get from the Father's heart. I thought of this illustration, and uh, a daddy's getting the groceries out of his car in the driveway, and he's got a little five-year-old, and his arms are full, and he says, okay, little Johnny, let's go. And the dad starts walking towards the front door, and little Johnny takes off running towards the street. And uh, his dad, the dad thinks the child's right behind him, and lo and behold, he turns around, and his little son is just a few feet from the street with cars going back and forth. And the dad yells out, Johnny, Johnny. And he yells out a third time saying, I said stop, Johnny, right now with such a forceful voice. And Johnny stops. And he turns around and he says, you get back here right now. And so he turns and goes back to him. This is the heart of God when it comes to obedience for his kids. It's not, you know, the dad didn't say, Johnny, if you don't stop, I'm not going to feed you. If you don't stop, I'm going to take all of your toys and take them to the Goodwill tonight. If you don't stop, I hope you get some kind of sickness to teach you to obey dad. Why was he wanting Johnny to stop in the first place? Just to obey dad, do what I say? It was for the child's benefit. You can rest assured when it comes to obedience, when it comes for God not wanting us to sin, it's for your benefit and mine. To obey God is not, you better obey or else. That's not the heart of God. He knows what's best for us. And man, I believe that 
there's some yelling going on in heaven right now for his kids. But it's not, you know, you better listen to me because I said so. You better listen or else. You better No, it's for our benefit. He wants to turn people's lives around from destruction. He wants to turn people's lives around for the things that could cause even death to their lives. But division and fear. Division and fear. You know, when it comes to being divisive and people... Um, just, uh, you know, it, it just seems like that cancel culture has just, it leaked into the body of believers as well. You know, it's, it's amazing that you can do 90 good things for somebody, and if you do one or two bad things, then you're, they're done with you, or they write you off. This should not be. I said, this should not be. Um... There's a thing called grace that we love. Aren't you thankful that God gives us grace, which means he gives us things that we can't work for, can't earn it, don't deserve it, but we get it because of his goodness. But do we also realize that we have that grace deposited in us and it should not be a stagnant pond, but a river that flows out of us to other people. In other words, you give grace to people who don't deserve it. They definitely aren't earning it, but you give grace to them. I'm not talking about, let me just be sh sure that you know my heart. I'm not talking about compromising your beliefs. I'm not comp talking about compromising anything in your life. But I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures that's vitally important for the believer. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus said this. How many think that if Jesus is praying something, that we should give ear to it and that it should become important to us? Would you agree to that? If Jesus is, do you, you mean when you pray, you, it's because it's something important to you, right? When you pray, it's not like, you know, Lord, I just... I kind of hope the humidity is kind of low today. I don't know about you, but I've never prayed about the humidity. Maybe it's that important to you, but I've never prayed about it, especially now that I live in Colorado. When I lived in Kentucky, I probably should have and could have prayed about the humidity. But here, you know, I just don't pray about it. I pray about things that are important to me. Is everybody out there? So... Knowing that Jesus is praying here, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you and me. Jesus is saying that he's praying for Mike Davis. He's praying for Tim. He's praying for Megan. He's praying for us today. And this is what he says, that they all may be one. And how should they be one? As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How's the world going to believe that you sent me? Because of the unity and the power of the relationship that Jesus had with God. He says, in the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. This is vitally important to Jesus. 
And he prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be one. So I think we should take this very seriously. I said, I think we should take this very seriously. If the body of Christ can't be one, how in the world are we going to be effective to the world? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. However, I say to you, love your enemy. This is Jesus. He's given a sermon. Love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for those who hate you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. I don't know about you, but does that just kind of rub you the wrong way? Is that just a little bit, really? You, you want me to do that? God wants us to do this, and he's given us the power, the ability, and the grace to do it. It's just because we basically choose, I don't want to do that. Matter of fact, this will never probably be on anybody's refrigerator scripture. You know what I mean? It's not going to be on your refrigerator. I think I'm just going to pray for people who have despitefully used Usually, oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for people who have used me. <laughs> but he says, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you, and then do something good, wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. Let me just ask you a question. Is there anybody in your family that just gets underneath? Don't raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. Just keep looking forward. Is there anybody in your family that just gets under your skin? Everybody's got a picture in their mind right now. I'm, I don't even have to have a word of knowledge on that. How about somebody at work that you work with? How about somebody at church? Your pastor getting on to right now. Yes, right now. He says in verse 45, For that will reveal your identity as your children of your heavenly Father. All of us should be saying, ouch, instead of Amen. He said, this is how your identity is. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to the warm and the rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors, in other words, the evil people do that? See, a tax collector was the worst person that Jesus could bring up in the time of that culture, you know? So he says, instead of saying somebody like, oh, some evil murder or whatever. No, he says, don't even the tax collectors do that? In other words, people who are not believers, who don't believe in Jesus, they love people who are nice to them. But they dislike and don't treat right those who are not nice to them. He says, don't tax collectors do that? Verse 47, how... Are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that. Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. Or in other words, matured or graced with everything that is in God is inside of you as well. In other words, this is what he's saying. You have the ability to do this. 
pretty quiet in church today. You have the ability to do this. Why am I saying this? Because, man, you get on social media. I've never seen this year so many people, ministers, attacking ministers. I mean, it'd be, it's one th- I mean, what happened to going to the dude's door and sitting down in his office saying, you know, I got a problem with you? No, we spread it out over Facebook, YouTube, and all of your television and throughout all humanity to say, this guy is wrong. He's preaching this and he's doing that. Preachers doing that with preachers. And you just think, is, is anybody reading the Bible at all? Is anybody reading the Bible? Including preachers. I mean, are we, are we reading the Bible that says that we're to bless our enemies? We're to pray for it. And let me ask you this. Anybody's been, that photo album that I just got through talking about, that people getting under your skin, have you prayed for any of those pictures? You know, I'm at fault of this, and this is why I'm preaching. I just need to get this in my heart. You know, I mean, you turn, you watch the political ram. I don't watch it, but if you read anything about the headlines, you know, I just go. And so the Lord says, "So have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for them? Have you prayed for them?" Real easy to say how bad, how terrible those people are in your family, your workplace, in the political ram. It's really easy to do that. But are you giving anybody grace? Are you just thanking God that you have grace? I knew this would be probably one of my most popular messages that I've ever preached. That was sarcasm in case you didn't know. But anyway, the things that Jesus paid for, are we still going to take hold of it? Jesus paid for us to walk in what I'm talking about. He paid for us to be able to have the ability to walk in love towards the unlovable, towards the scoundrel, towards the one who somebody done me wrong song. He paid the price so that we can, you know, in the old covenant, they, they couldn't do that. They could to the best of their own natural ability. But day in and day out, they didn't have the ability to do that, to love people. No, man, they just go, okay, go get a rope. We're going to take care of this. Or let's just, everybody grab a rock. (laughs) We're going to take care of this right now. We're going to take care of this person with... Rocks. You're going to make a heap of rocks out of them. We live in a culture that thrives on division. We live in a culture that thrives on fear. Those two things. And there's probably, since the Civil War, never been a time in history that our nation has been so divided and so fearful. And it just seems that that creeps into believers' lives. Those two things. And I believe the good news. Are you ready for the good news? God is awakening believers to say, not on my watch. I believe God wants us to be awakened to say, no, 
We're not going to be a divisive people. And we're not going to be a fearful people. I'm not saying that you have to agree with those that you're disagreeing with. We're not doing that. Jesus disagreed with people. But yet he loved them and died for them and shed his blood for them. And he prayed for them on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Fear is torment. The first fruits of sin is when Adam said to God right after he sinned. The, very, the first words after Adam sinned when God confronted him was, I was afraid. Right after he sinned, that's the first words he said to God. I was afraid. I was afraid. And ever since that time, fear has been rampant on this planet. People are fearful. Fearful for, you know, oh, thank God, gas came down to four something, you know, instead of almost $5 a gallon. People are fearful of whether there's going to be food on the shelves if, and the supply chain's going to be uh, taken care of. People are fearful about... Uh, Oh, I heard that the, you know, there's something else running monkey pox, skipping from tree to tree all the way around the United States, you know. Fearful. Fearful. But this, we have the word of God. We have Jesus that says, no pestilence, no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. We have that. We have that promise. We have that my God shall supply all of my need. All of my need. The economy, I mean, there's, now they have officially, depending on who you talk to or listen to, that we're in a recession. Some theologians, not theologians, politicians are saying that, you know, we could fall even steeper into a, a depression almost because of how bad things are going to be. And they're going to keep raising the interest rate and, you know, and try to get a hold of this. But they just don't know how really, if you really want to, Get them to be honest, they don't really know how to tackle this. They don't know how to stop the inflation. They may portray that they do, but in reality, they don't. God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to trust Him. The answer to fear is the gospel of peace. That is the answer to fear. Fear has been passed down from generation to generation to the world, to the church, because most find it difficult just to believe the gospel. We find it difficult to believe in the gospel, and so we just, we just go like the world, and we get in fear. Isaiah proclaims this, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? In Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4, it says this, it's the promise of peace. You will keep in perfect peace, all who trust in you. You. God says, this is my job. My job is to keep you in peace. Your job and my job is all who trust in him. So God says, I guarantee you, 
if you trust in me, I guarantee you one result will be you're going to have peace in your life. No matter what's going on out here, you're going to have peace. I guarantee you all whose thoughts are fixed on me, God says. You fix your thoughts on me, there's one result that's going to happen. You're going to have peace. So today, if you're battling peace, or Monday when you get up, you're battling peace, and you find out the stock market completely crashes, your 401K disappears. Poof. No retirement. You can have perfect peace. If... You fix your thoughts on God and not your 401K. All of my eggs are in that. Oh, I'm trusting in this. I'm trusting in that. I'm trusting. I'm trusting in that. Don't get me wrong. I think having a 401K, 401K. Special K, cereal in the morning is really good for you. No, but I, I think it's wise to have retirement. I do. Dad Hagemeyer said something about 15, 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. I was trying to get him to invest. I said, Dad, you know, must have been 20 years ago, so he was 62. He's 82 now. So, you know, I'm the great son-in-law that I am. I said, Dad, I want to talk to you about something. What? I think you should invest. You're 62. You're already a little bit behind the eight ball, but, you know, you need to invest. So he says, Mike, I appreciate that. I said, do you have any retirement whatsoever? He says, oh, I have tons. Tons of retirement. I went, what? Does that, you know, he's Assembly of God uh, licensed through them. I said, so you have something with Assembly of God that I don't know about? No. What do you have? He said, I've been storing up my treasures in heaven. And God is always going to take care of me to the day that I die. I have no worry or fear about that. Part of me went. But then the spiritual side of me goes, wow, he's right. He's right. He gets a a large sum of money or whatever. You can rest assured a lot of that's just going to go right through him. It's just going He'll give it to somebody else or help somebody else out or put it to ministry. Peace. Luke announced the gospel of peace, the Christmas message. In Luke chapter 2, he says, The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. Did you know, I haven't looked at this, but I read a couple of ministers who said this, that over 300 to 365 times, it's do not fear Fear not, or a phrase that means that, it's in the Bible. Basically, one for every day of your life. Do not fear. Fear not. The angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news, a great joy, which will come to all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior, the Christ, the Lord. Then suddenly there appeared an army of troops of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Peace. So after 4,000 years, give or take, of hostility between man and God, there was peace between God and man. And it was by a baby being born. 
what could be less threatening and hostile when there is a baby in a manger? When dealing with fear, you need to realize that Satan operates and uses things found in the natural realm. His tactic is to convince you that the things you can see and hear are more real than the truth of God's word. When you depend on what you can see rather than on what God has said, you have yourself wide open for fear and deception. Fear is such an enemy, we need to treat it like you would somebody trying to break into your house. You treat fear like that. You should treat division like that. What would your life be like if you had no fear? What if you had no fear of man, no fear of others? Think about you, what they think about you because you are secure in the love of your heavenly father. No fear about, you know, I wonder what they're going to think about me. Don't be fearful of that. I've come to the conclusion there's always going to be somebody who thinks something bad about me or take what I said wrong. There's always going to be somebody like that. So why be fearful of that? Get your security in Christ because he will never say anything bad about you. I mean, let's face it. If you read the story of Lot in the Bible, to me, he was like the worst father that could ever live on the planet. If you don't know the story, he, an angel came to his door, and, and there were some homosexual people that tried to attack the angels. And Lot said, don't leave them alone. Let me give you my daughters. That's Lot. God said this about Lot in the New Testament. He called him righteous. I know that would just warp your theology. Called him righteous. No, we're not trying to say everything's okay about what he did. But it was the heart of the matter. God sees our heart. We just see the actions of people. And we think that's who they are. God sees the heart, and he says, that's who, they, <clears throat> that's who they are. God said this about David. He was a man after my own heart. Three fears common to people. Let me rush through this real quick. The fear of trusting, the fear of rejection, the fear of opening up our heart to others. We try to find peace and counterfeit affections of performance, passions of the flesh, Power and control issues, possessions, position, people or places. Somehow we think that unless we have these sources of comfort in our lives, we simply can't go on. Let me just give you three real quick scriptures of fear. First John 4.18. I, I mean, this could be a whole series in itself. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In other words, you don't really have a revelation of love. We don't have a revelation of the love of God, how much he loves us if there is fear in your heart. That should be a wake-up call. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Romans 8.15, For you have not received the spirit of a, a bondage again to fear. Fear puts a person in bondage. He says, you haven't received that. 
but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, he's saying fear puts you in bondage, but the love of God causes you to be in a family where God is your father. David said, when I am afraid, I'm going to trust in you. When I am afraid, I'm going to trust in you. Arm yourself with the word of God. What can you do to help rid fear of your life? Well, first of all, you arm yourself with the word of God. What I'm talking about these scriptures today. And actively resist fear. Active, be active about it. Don't just go along with it. When you're having fear of the economy and things like that, dig into the word and resist what you're, what's trying to out here speak to you with a megaphone. You get the word of God inside of you and says, I believe I will prosper in the land of living. Isaac sowed in the time of famine. And he, he had a hundredfold return. So actively resist it. Arm yourself with the word. And then Psalms 50, 15. Honor me, God says, by trusting in me in your day of trouble. Cry aloud to me and I will be there to rescue you. Just start looking to him instead of just watching the TV, say all these negative reports, read all of these negative reports. And I'll say one other thing. Be careful who you hang around with. If all you're hanging around with is people that will are negative and think, oh, America's going to hell in a handbasket. Everything's going to be... We probably won't be able to get bread this time next year. Probably won't be able to afford gas night. We'll probably have to start walking. You know, if people are talking like that, they're not looking to God whatsoever. And if you're not careful, you and I can slide right into that same path with them and go, yeah, I know what you mean. I keep looking at my 401k. It's, it's gone down 30%. Time I retire, I may not have anything there. So if you don't, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to you? You got to trust God. God's going to take care of me. If I lose my job, God's going to take care of me. If Walmart dries up and closes out, God's going to take care of me. I mean, if God has to get, you know... Birds to drop food at the Davis front porch. I'll be there saying, thank you, Blackbird. Thank you, little blue jay. Rocket Robin, tweet, 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 tweet. Anyway, I'll be thanking him. I mean, you say, can God do that? He's done it. Not can he do it. He's done that. He's, he fed the prophet by birds. He, he had uh, Elijah also, an angel came and fixed him a meal. We can't look to that. We can look to the supernatural things to happen for provision. And it may come to that, but if it does come to that, don't worry. God can still do it again and again and again and again. Amen. He's big enough to do that. Amen. Let's stand. <coughs> Unity. 
and no fear. Unity in the love of God. This is how they're going to know that you're a follower of Jesus. This is how they're going to know your love for one another. I've said that so many times, but I'm telling you, we got to have an awakening to that. And you know what? I truly believe it's happening all around the world, not just in America, but I believe it's happening all around the world, that people's eyes are opening up, that you know what? The world is just being divisive. The world is just being so fearful. But I believe believers are having their eyes awakened to say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I believe you're my brother, you're my sister. Russ Taft sang that song probably about 30 years ago. If you don't know who Russ Taft is, you're probably young. But anyway, Russ Taft, he said, you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. Take me by the hand. The Baptists, the Methodists, Pentecostals, the Assemblies. Anybody believes in Jesus, your brothers and sisters. Don't let what you disagree with cause division. It's that way in a marriage. It's that way with your kids. It's that way in every relationship. It needs to be that way in the church. You don't let disagreements to say, okay, I'm divorcing you. You know, I like peanut butter. You don't. I just don't see how this is going to work. I mean, I'm just a peanut butter guy. Don't let your disagreements cause you to shun somebody, to put up a wall. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Paul said to pray that our eyes of understanding would be enlightened, that we may know. That we may know. What do we need to know? What two things that we talked about today? The ability to walk in unity. We have that. The ability to never fear. We have that. May our eyes be open that we not only know that, but we are doers of that. We rest in what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to do it. We rest in what Jesus has done for us to walk in unity. We rest in what Jesus has done for us to walk free from fear. We thank you that you are our rescue, our hope. In time of trouble, you are a very present help. Thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.